chapter seventeen of the legends and myths of hawaii this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the legends and myths of hawaii by king david kalakaua umi the peasant prince of hawaii part four true to the answer returned to keoleoku by his messenger nunu and kakohi reached waipunalei the following night and when they saw the warlike preparations and learned that umi was present and that the acclaim of revolt was to be raised in his name they wept for joy it was past midnight and their limbs were weary but they could not sleep at their request the door of umi's room was pointed out to them and they went and sat down beside it for an hour or more they did not speak then when all was still within the walls in a low tone they began the legendary chant of the kings of hawaii as they proceeded with a record which few on the islands beside themselves could correctly repeat their voices rose with their enthusiasm and in a few minutes hundreds of half-naked men crept from their barrack lodgings and stood listening to the metric sentences of the learned historians as they reached the name of kiha umi stepped without the door the priests recognized him and rose to their feet then continuing the melee they chanted the name of kiha of liola of haku and finally of umi represented as having wrest the sceptre from his unworthy brother who was hated by his subjects and abandoned by the gods with this they dropped on their knees before him and boldly saluted him as moi of hawaii this acquainted many of the warriors present for the first time of umi's rank and the wildest enthusiasm seized them they asked to be led at once to waipio and were only quieted when kaloleku appeared and assured them that their patriotic wishes would soon be gratified at first kaoleoku deemed this early development of the purposes of the movement untimely if not indeed unfortunate many preparations remained to be made it had been a suggestion of umi that a part of the rebel forces should be sent to waipio by water but the canoes necessary for the expedition had not been secured and no and not more than a thousand warriors had reported secrecy could no longer be maintained and immediate and open action appeared to now be unavoidable yet it was through nunu and kaikohi that his plans had been thwarted and while he felt annoyed at what they had done he retired hoping they had acted advisedly in this matter the conduct of the priests was explained and approved in the morning they urged immediate action hakau was not prepared for a sudden attack for many years they had been no wars of consequence and such of his supporters as the king could hastily summon to his assistance would be improperly armed and without discipline their advice was for umi to raise the standard of revolt at once this news they would take to waipio with the further information that although preparing for rebellion umi would not be strong enough to act for some time alarmed haikau would consult the high priest of leonui who notwithstanding their relations was secretly his enemy 
and a plan could be devised to induce the king to send his household guards and immediate followers to the mountains on some religious errand when umi apprised of the situation by fires kindled at intervals on the hilltops between waipio and waipunalei could sweep down with a few hundred resolute warriors and seize the king and the capital and thus with a bold stroke achieve a bloodless triumph when the priests had developed this plan of action kaoleoku rose to his feet and exclaimed with excitement the gods have instructed you you have spoken truly the gods have indeed instructed our friends said umi impressively for was it not said in your dreams that the victory would be bloodless if the spears of hakau were sent beyond the call of the kihapu the meaning is now plain returned the priest reverently the gods are with us and we will be directed by them all the details were then carefully arranged and the two priests returned to waipio it was soon rumored that they brought news of umi and hakau sent for them as had been expected fear had somewhat humbled him and he greeted them with what seemed to be the greatest friendship and cordiality he even chided them for absenting themselves so long from the royal mansion where their visits he assured them would always be welcome they assumed to be greatly gratified at his protestations of goodwill but secretly despised him for his shallow hypocrisy when questioned by the king the priest frankly informed him that he had left umi and kaoleku together no longer than the day before and advised him to lose no time in dispatching to the mountains all the men he could summon to gather fresh feathers of rare birds with which to redecorate his god of war haiku was startled by this advice for the ceremony of kuilakua was never performed except in times of war or other imminent peril what he exclaimed with assumed astonishment shall this be done because umi lives and you have seen him with the high priest of manini no not because umi lives repeat, replied nunu quietly but because he is preparing for rebellion rebellion repeated haikou angrily does he expect to be able to maintain himself in hilo he aims to reach beyond hilo ventured the priest to puna beyond puna to cow beyond cow then he must aim at the whole island exclaimed hakau savagely at the whole island repeated the priest maliciously he shall have land enough to bury him and no more hissed the king but you are croakers both of you before considering your advice i shall consult lianui and the seers of pakalani and hear what the gods say of this widespread conspiracy as your fears and cowardice tell the story haku abruptly dismissed the priests and dispatched a messenger for the high priest lianui but it was late in the afternoon before he could be found he was old and venerable in appearance and his hair white as the snows of manakei fell to his knees covering his shoulders like a veil they had met but rarely since the death of liloa for the old priest seldom left the temple grounds and haikau as seldom visited them as the bearded and white-haired prophet entered the royal mansion all bent respectively before him 
and a feel of awe crept over the king as the priest stood silently and with folded arms before him my greeting to you venerable servant of the gods said the king the priest bowed but remained silent and hakau resumed abruptly i have learned that umi and a priest named kaoleoku are plotting treason together in hilo near the borders of hamakua what know you of kaoleoku a man to be feared if he is in earnest replied the priest curtly have auguries of the movement been invoked inquired the king with a gesture the priest replied in the negative and why not continued hakau impetuously why are priests and temples for if not to guard the kingdom against coming dangers if it so please them the gods answer when they are asked through sacrifice replied the priest and then with rising anger he continued your father respected the gods and came to the temple when he would consult them and his son must do the same well then said haku discovering that the priest neither loved nor feared him i will be at the temple to-night some time after sunset and have you there the best of your diviners i shall await your coming replied lianui briefly as he bowed low and retired although he gave me his daughter muttered hakau as lianui left the room he has no love for me and i as little for him but no matter i must not quarrel with him now wait until i have dealt with umi and his confederates and then but he did not finish the sentence for he suddenly recollected that the high priesthood was an inherited position like his own and its bestowal was not a royal prerogative there were bloody means of creating vacancies however and these flashed through the wicked brain of Haikau. the night that followed was dark with a steady wind from the northwest and occasional showers it was some time after sunset before the king entered the outer gate of the heiau of panakalani he was accompanied by four attendants two of whom bore a muzzled pig and two fowls the others were trusty friends a kuki torch was kept burning in front of the house of the high priest another between the altar and inner court and a third near the entrance of the royal retreat with which the heiau like many others was provided toward the latter hakau and his party proceeded and were soon joined by lianui and a number of officiating priests and kilos entering the royal hali a few words passed between the king and lianui when the attendants of hakau were relieved of their burdens and sent without the enclosure the kaika or large sacrificial drum was then sounded with three measured strokes and in a few minutes six officiating priests three of them with knives in their hands and the others bearing torches made their appearance to them the pig and fowls were entrusted and preceded by the torch-bearers the king and high priest followed by the attendants of the temple with measured pace moved toward the altar reaching the place of sacrifice the high priest uttered a prayer to the godhead and separate supplications to cain ku and lono intoned by the assisting priests 
when the fowls were decapitated and their headless bodies placed upon the altar the priests watched them until they were motionless and then opened them and carefully examined the heart liver and entrails of each the king glanced anxiously at the priest but the latter made no response the pig was then ordered to be slain the throat of the animal was cut and its bleeding body was also placed upon the altar the flow of the blood was scrupulously noted and after the respirations had been counted and the animal ceased to breathe the body was hastily opened the spleen was removed and held above the head of the priest while another prayer was spoken and then the other organs were separately examined completing the inspection leonui stepped back from the altar well said the king impatiently what say the gods the gods are angry and the portents are evil replied the priest then promise them a hundred human sacrifices exclaimed haku if their favor is to be purchased with blood i will drown the heiau with an ocean of it but he continued i am not satisfied with their auguries let me hear from the anu immediately behind the altar was the entrance to the inner court of the temple within and about three paces back from the door which was covered with a wide breadth of kappa was placed the anu a wicker enclosure four or five feet in diameter in which stood the oracle on each side of the entrance were carved images of Cain, ku lono and other hawaiian deities while at intervals of three or four feet along the walls a score or more of gods of lesser potency stood guard above the sacred spot to the last request of haikau the priest replied the king shall hear from the anu the lights were then extinguished and all except the king and high priest retired some distance from the altar that no whisper of the oracle might reach them haikau was nervous as he stepped with the priest in front of the entrance to the inner temple a prayer was uttered by the priest the kappa screen was drawn aside by hands unseen and the king stood looking into the intense darkness of the sanctum sanctorium of the temple speak said the priest withdrawing behind the altar and leaving the king alone before the anu speak repeated a hollow voice from within the sacred enclosure for some minutes haku remained awed and silent then in a voice which scarcely seemed to be his own he said great power i hear that dangers threaten dangers threaten came like an echo from within how may they be averted inquired the king for a time there was no answer finally a voice from the anu replied do homage to cain make glad the war-god of liloa so do i promise answered the king but will that give me victory victory was repeated by from the anu elated at what he had heard haku continued now tell me mighty spirit whether umi nothing more interrupted the voice from within as the kappa suddenly dropped before the entrance well thanks for so much said haku turning and joining the priest at the altar and repeating to him with some favorable additions the words that he had heard darkness hid the smile upon the lips of leah nui 
the day after tomorrow we will hold here a festival to cain and the altar shall be heaped with offerings said the king tomorrow i will send my people to the mountains to gather feathers of sacred and royal colors and kali the neglected war-god of liloa shall be made glorious in new plumage and glad with abundant sacrifice it is well replied the priest now let the conspirators marshal their spears confirmed Haikau confidently and we will make short work of them they cannot be punished in the hills of hilo with a showing of weakness we will lure them to waipio and not one of them shall escape we will cut off their retreat and close in their faces the gates of the puanui as already mentioned of the two puanuis or places of refuge on hawaii at that time one was an adjunct of the heiau of pakalani at waipio in times of war their gates with white flags to mark them were always open and those who succeeded in passing into the enclosure were safe from assault even though pursued by the king himself the savage proposal to close the gates of the puinui was promptly resented by leanui he would as soon as thought of tumbling the gods from their pedestals and consigning them to the flames you suggest what is impossible said the priest since the days of waikia the puinui has been sacred its gates cannot be closed to the defenceless and the gods have said that he who shuts them against the weak shall seek in vain their shelter from the arm of the strong well then keep them open retorted the king sharply they will run swiftly who enter them torches were relighted and the king and his attendants left the heiau they had not passed beyond the outer wall before nunu emerged from the inner court his was the voice that had answered the king from the anu thus in the temple of pakalani was shaped the destruction of haku and the priest whom he had insulted and defied opened broadly and surely the way to his death the next morning an unusual commotion was observed in and around the royal mansion and as party after party left the enclosure some proceeding toward the sea coast and others up the valley and into the mountains beyond the villagers wondered at the proceeding and predicted that a strict taboo would soon follow whatever might be the occasion but when they learned that the war god was to be redecorated and an imposing religious festival was to follow the day after they knew that trouble of some kind was anticipated by the king and soon found a correct explanation of the movement in the rumors which they too had heard concerning umi and his friends in hilo and eastern hamakua the possibility of an uprising against haku gave them no uneasiness however for his cruelties had secured for him their hatred while the name of umi was to all classes a cinnamon of strength and gentleness the king was not indifferent to the danger with which he was about to be confronted and promptly dispatched luna pay to the district chiefs of 
kohala kona and hamakua ordering them to report without delay at waipio with two thousand warriors each while the governor of hilo was commanded by a special lunapai to march at once with a body of warriors to waipunalei with the view of precipitating the movement of umi upon waipio where it was not doubted he would be overwhelmed and crushed all these were proper precautions but they were taken too late for at the time the feather hunters and lunapai were leaving on their respective missions umi at the head of over two thousand well-armed and resolute warriors had reached a point within a two hours march of waipio and were awaiting a signal to swoop down upon the valley and now let us return to waipunalei and note what had been occurring there during the preceding forty-eight hours as soon as the priests left for waipio two days before trusty and intelligent sentinels followed and took their respective stations designated by mau ka leo leo on the summits of seven different hilltops discernible from each other from waipuna lei to waipio the first coming eastward from waipio was three miles perhaps from the temple of pakalani the last was a rocky pinnacle about four miles from waipunalei this was the station of maukaleoleo the sentinels were instructed to gather large heaps of dry grass and bark and to keep small fires smouldering and ready for use to vigilantly watch the peaks in the direction of waipio to apply the torch the instant a single fire was seen and keep the pile burning until it was plainly answered by the next station towards waipunalei all that day and through the following night armed men were arriving at the rendezvous at kawalikos until something more than two thousand warriors had reported and every spare moment the next day was devoted to forming them into companies and battalions giving them leaders and preparing them for a rapid march many of the warriors were accompanied by their wives daughters or sisters for in those days and latter women not unfrequently followed their fathers brothers and husbands to battle generally keeping in the rear to furnish them with food and water but sometimes in a close and desperate conflict mingling bravely in the fight in such cases they gave and received blows and expected and were accorded no consideration because of their sex instances are given in hawaii tradition of the tide of battle being turned on more than one occasion by desperate women transformed from camp followers into warriors and as late as eighteen nineteen we behold manoa wife of kikulanani the last sturdy champion of the gods of his fathers falling lifeless in a battle upon the body of her dead husband at kuamu while kahumanu and kalakau widows of the great kamehameha commanded the fleet of canoes operating with the land forces under kalaimua after the visit of the priest from waipio the purpose of the revolt was no longer disguised and whenever umi made his appearance among the assembled 
and assembling warriors he was greeted with the wildest enthusiasm his romantic history was known to them and being made the theme of song his many triumphs at the festive given by leola in honor of his formal recognition were recited by those who had witnessed them and his grand proportions and noble bearing stamped him as of chiefly blood and when his friends pimaiwa and omaukamanu spoke of the great learning displayed by him when questioned by the priests and imitated that he had been instructed by the gods and was under their care every doubt of success vanished and the order for an advance upon waipio was awaited with impatience mauka leo leo mysteriously came and went but always at night and seldom remaining longer than a few minutes he was known to all within the enclosure and allowed to pass unchallenged as he could be mistaken for no one else as he strode through the gateway bearing a spear scarcely less than thirty feet in length the sentinels regarded him with awe and when they saw him converse with umi and then silently depart they shook their heads and said perhaps he is lono the temple of manini dedicated by liola just before his meeting with the mother of umi and of which kaulioku was the high priest was a reconstruction and enlargement of an old heu which was in existence certainly as early as the time of the warlike kalauanohua who reigned between the years twelve sixty and thirteen hundred with a large army and proportionate fleet of canoes he invaded maui molokai and oahu and taking their captured sovereigns with him made a descent upon Kauai, but his triumphs ended there after an obstinate battle he was defeated and taken prisoner but was subsequently released and permitted to return to his own kingdom it was during the reign of this sovereign that the prophetess waihia lived she accompanied him in his expeditions as far as oahu but refused to proceed with him to Kauai. she declared that the gods would bring calamity upon him if he invaded that island and sought to persuade him to consolidate his conquests and return to hawaii but the warrior king cared but little for priests or temples and was in the habit of destroying both when they failed to subserve his purpose enraged at the unfavorable auguries of waihia and fearful that they might come to the ears of and demoralize his warriors the king induced her to return to hawaii one tradition says she voluntarily abandoned kalamunu ahua while another relates that she consented to return only on condition that the war god of the king be sent back with her this god had been in the reigning family of hawaii since the days of pau and had been sanctified by that father of the priesthood to distinguish it from other war gods it was known as awakapau and was held in great veneration when asked for a explanation of the strange request the prophetess boldly declared that 
if the god was taken to Kauai, it would never return except at the head of a conquering army that would make of hawaii a tributary kingdom then take it with you exclaimed the king savagely and if i return to hawaii alive i will burn you both together you will burn neither said waihea when you return to hawaii you will think better of the gods and their servants and in generations to come when angry spears shall be crossed in the hall of the kings of hawaii the hand will be stronger that places the fresh lay upon the shoulders of awakapeo the prophetess prepared to embark the god wrapped in a fold of kappa so that it might not be recognized was brought to the beach and delivered to the departing seeress the canoe which was large enough to accommodate thirty persons was shoved into the surf it was provided with food and a calabash of water declining all assistance or companionship in her journey waihua stepped onto the canoe with the image in her arms and after carefully depositing it in the bow of the boat returned and seated herself near the stern half a dozen men were waiting for the word to launch the canoe from the sands upon which the stern was lightly resting but the seeress raised no sail touching no oar for some minutes she sat silent and motionless with bent head and clasped hands as if in prayer while hundreds of curious eyes watched her in amazement wondering what would become of her even should the unmanned craft be successful in passing the breakers then she slowly rose to her feet and the canoe began to glide toward the reef faster and faster it moved until mounting a retreating wave it was borne swiftly out into the calmer waters then slightly turning in its course it dashed southward with the speed of the wind and was soon lost to the view of the awe-strucken beholders wahia looked beneath the waves and smiled for ukanipio the shark god with scores of assistants was bearing her onward and then from his ipu la mano amano uh, the hawaiian eolus let loose the imprisoned winds and refreshing zephyrs cooled the face of the prophetess and accelerated the speed of the canoe until it seemed to leap from wave to wave and great seabirds screamed with fright as it dashed past and awoke them from their billowy slumbers leaving behind it a long trail of troubled waters passing to the southward of the intervening islands the canoe was borne with undiminished speed through the channel of alihuhana to the northeastern coast of hawaii and before sunset was beached at koholili the prophetess knew the meaning of this nearby was the old hue of manaimi and thither as she felt instructed was taken and deposited the war-god alukupau with the solemn injunction to the high priest in charge that it was never to be removed from the inner court unless the life of the moi was in peril or the kingdom was invaded by a foreign foe 
the old heiau had given place to a more imposing structure during the reign of liloa its outer walls had been enlarged raised and repaired and its inner belongings improved and redecorated but its sacred relics had not been distributed and its many gods remained where they had been for generations among the most sacred idols of the temple even after the death of liola was the akua pau its name indicated alike its age and sanctity and while the legends connected with it had become vague and distorted in their transmission through a long line of priests the prophecy of waihea still clung to it and it was especially reverenced by the few to whom was entrusted the secret of its functions Haikau had learned of this god from his royal father and the same morning that his retainers were sent to the hills for feathers two priests were dispatched to koholalele with orders to bring to waipio in the king's name and without delay the war god alapupeo should the priests of the temple refuse to surrender the idol then the messengers were instructed to call upon the district chiefs for assistance and take it by force no matter at what cost of life but the king was too late for at early daylight of the morning of the day before his messengers left waipio maukaleoleo strode into the rebel headquarters with the akapau in his arms kaoleoku had of course instructed the giant where and how to secure the image for in years past he had been its custodian and his orders continued to be obeyed by the priests of manii the idol completely wrapped in kupa was deposited in the private heiau of the high priest and maokaleoleo left the enclosure as quietly as he had entered it a few minutes before the sentinels wondered as usual but bowed in silence as he came and went the priest rose with the sun and learned that maokaleoleo had already been a visitor that morning he hastened to the heiau and there found the akapeo he was overjoyed he removed the kappa covering from the idol placed it upon a pedestal between the image of ku and lono and then found umi and brought him to the heiau entering kaoleoku closed the door and pointed to the akupau umi bowed reverently before it listen o umi said the priest listen o son of liola behold the war-god of your fathers it was sanctioned by the touch of pau and for generations in the inner chamber of mani has awaited your coming from waihea the prophetess have come down through the chief priests of the heiau these words when angry spears shall be crossed in the hail of the kings of hawaii the hand will be the stronger that places the fresh lay upon the shoulders of akapeo the spears are about to be crossed the god is here let yours be the hand and not heiku's to place the lei a upon the shoulders of alakupeo the words of the prophecy came to umi as a dream 
overwhelmed with their significance he fell upon his knees and exclaimed god of my fathers be you my guide until i prove unworthy of your protection your realm is yet small said the priest and is enclosed within these walls let us pay respect to the gods that is boundaries may be enlarged thereupon a strict taboo was ordered to all within the walls to begin at midday and continue until the setting of the sun the time was brief but events were pressing and it could not safely be extended the taboo or kapu as it is sometimes written was strictly a prerogative of the high chiefs and priests of older hawaii there were fixed taboos or custom and declared taboos of limited duration by the temporal and spiritual rulers the penalty for the violation of all taboos was death it was taboo of custom for men and women to eat together or for women to eat of the flesh of swine fowls turtle and many kinds of fish everything belonging to the kings priests and temples was taboo or sacred and springs paths fishing grounds water courses etc were frequently thus kept from the use of the people declared general taboos for the propitiation of the gods or the amelioration of the public evil were either strict or common according to the emergency during the time of common taboo the people were required to abstain from their usual avocations and attend at the heiau where morning and evening prayers were offered a strict taboo was more sacred while it continued generally one or two days all with the exception of the alley nui and priests were compelled to remain within doors every fire and every light was extinguished no canoe was launched all noises ceased the pigs and dogs were muzzled and fowls were placed under calabashes these taboos were proclaimed by heralds and their wanton violation was an unpardonable offence in preparation for the taboo to be declared by uni flowers and feathers were brought and lays of both were worn every one being in readiness heralds proclaimed the taboo and its duration with the further announcement that the occasion was the arrival of the almighty war-god Awakapau and its coming decoration by umi as the sun touched the mark of meridian the gates of the enclosure was barred and guarded by the religious attendants of the priest the fires were everywhere extinguished the few animals within the walls were either muzzled or hidden men women and children suddenly disappeared within their dwellings or quarters and mats were hung at the openings umi and the priest retired alone to the heiau and closed the door and silence disturbed only by low whispers and the muffled footfalls of the watching priests reigned over the twenty-five hundred persons gathered within the enclosure in the heiau or apartment of the gods to which umi and the high priest retired were a number of images and sacred relics near the centre of the room was a small altar upon which had been deposited the lays provided for the decoration of Kapu. they sat down beside it and for an hour or more nothing was heard but the whispered prayers of the priest addressed in turn to the several gods before him 
then rising and leading umi by the hand to the aukapau in a low voice he formally presented him to the god as the son of liloa and rightful ruler of the hawaiian people another prayer was uttered and then umi with the words accept this o akapau with the homage of umi proceeded reverently to place around the head and neck of the image a number of fragrant lays of flowers and wreaths of brilliant feathers the priests watched the act intently as the last wreath of feathers resembling a crown in appearance the lay hula ali was placed upon the head of the image a sunbeam flashed through what seemed to be a small rent in the thatched roof and for a moment haloed the heads of umi and the god the priest read the answer and smiled he felt as assured of the favor of the gods as if it had been pledged in a voice in thunder and umi bent low in acknowledgment of the joyful revelation the sun dropped behind the hills twilight turned to bronze the gold of the valleys and the taboo was at an end it was proclaimed that the auguries were highly favorable and the silence of the taboo was broken by wild strains of music and shouts of rejoicing end of chapter 17 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc